You're listening to The Dollop. This is a bi-weekly American history podcast. Each week, I, Dave Anthony, VCR owner, window closer, toffee eater, Dave Anthony reads a story from American history. Hearing you watch your old big VCR VHSs while you're just having toffee mouth. To my former friend... Oh, Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. Sorry, I thought you were talking about someone else. <laughs> I was like, what God, do you want to look at a dude? I'll do one bottle. <laughs> people say this is funny? Not Gary, Gareth. Dave, okay. Someone or something is tickling people. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tickling Podcast. Okay. <laughs> you are Queen Fakey of Made Up Town. All hail Queen Shit of Liesville. <laughs> a bunch of religious virgins go to mingle. And do what? Pray. Hi, Gary. No. I see done, my friend. No. No. <laughs> April 2nd, 1861, the year of our Lord. What? William Ellsworth Robinson was born in Westchester, New York. Okay. His family settled in Manhattan. His parents were Scottish. Oh, boy. Well, you ready for this, Jose? (laughs) His father, Jim, had toured in minstrel shows and was a stage manner manager at Harry Hill's Houston Street Concert Saloon in New York City. Oh, God. Uh, just some Scottish dude doing, doing a minstrel show? show? Yeah, it's not a good combination. I bet there's some drinking going on, oh, though. Oh, my God. Does anyone find this offensive? <laughs> <laughs> like, look at I at me. Does this seem wrong? I'm upset if someone tries to look under my bloody kilt. This feels like appropriation. He ran the show at Harry Hills, scheduled the acts, and filled in on stage. Guys, guys, come on, more racist! (laughs) Dig deeper, bloody hell, come on! Come on, you've got to hate them! Come on, you've got to be worse than this! As a performer, he specialized in impersonations and dialect singing. (laughs) I mean, what... What, he what, did what the impersona- okay. stereotypical black voice oh, God. of the time. Oh, my God. He did an Irish brogue, what? a Scottish burr. Whoa, how did he get that one right? And the broad accents of, quote, typical Hebrews. Oh, my God. Dutchmen or no. Italians. No, he's like, he's like the Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins of racism. He's just got instruments all over. It's like if Stormfront had a rich little. Uh, he was also. I think I'll close with the Jew shit. <laughs> <laughs> he was also a ventriloquist, hypnotist, and magician. What? What? Wow! Fucking cover all your bases. I mean, really. The saloon was a famous rowdy dive bar in New York. It was. I can't believe what's happening already. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this. Uh... It was a large open space that served as a dance hall, bar room, variety theater, and boxing ring. What? <laughs> what is going on? Did it also float? <laughs> it's just your classic dance hall, bar room, theater. And- All right, everyone. Now that the boxing's over, get ready for the minstrel show with hypnosis val- and ventriloquism. Have you ever done a... Uh- 
a gig at like one of those casinos out near Palm Springs where it's just an open room. Yeah. Where it, yeah. It feels like that. Like where, yes. Where you're like, you guys are used to bands. <laughs> um, How's supper? Seats were for women. Okay. So finally a break. Uh, women got in for free, man. I had to pay 25 cents each. A round of drink was a drink was obligatory at the start of any dance, and quote, take a little wine for thy stomach's sake. What? That's just all. That was one of their sayings there. Okay, okay. So just drink wine. Also, no swearing. What? The, how do you? How? How? how do you that's my favorite say? thing. No swearing during yeah. the. All right, of the show. that's enough. No. Let's put this makeup on and give him a hell of a show. Keep it clean. Yeah, no swearing, but that's fine. And no trouble inside. Pimps, prostitutes, thieves, and drunks had to step outside before starting any transaction, planning a crime, or picking a fight. Okay, drunks, you can identify. Yep. How do you identify thieves? Uh, well, I'm sure they knew them all. <laughs> that's Everybody knows the neighborhood pretty thief. Pretty hard to just bounce a guy for hypothetical theft. No, you're like, that guy... Tell you do it. Okay, good. Well, you sold me. The saloon was uh, uh, so. William uh, Robinson, uh, the the boy, the son, right. right, was encouraged to follow follow in his father's footsteps as a performer. Okay, he was tall and handsome, but didn't have the same stage presence or confidence as his dad. Man, you mean just born into it? It's it's this is the classic show business kid thing. Yeah. He was tall. Oh, I did that. Uh, he, Will didn't like the sound of his voice. Oh, man. And he didn't like telling jokes. So it's going to be a good career so in show problematic business. Problematic for performance. No, no. This is exactly what you want. Okay. Uh, so he would stay at home and practice in front of a mirror. Okay. As a teen, Will performed at private parties, picnics, or school programs often entertaining children with with minstrel based. No, uh, he he was a magician. He enjoyed okay. the magic. Okay. A magician needed lots of fancy equipment, which took a lot of skill to build, and uh, it was very costly. Okay. Will couldn't afford the fancy equipment, so he took a job at a brass foundry. Okay. He learned to work with sheet metal, shaping and smoldering it, and became a meticulous craftsman. He was so good that in the late 1870s, Martinka's New York, the largest magic manufacturing company and magic shop, would bring him into the shop to work on special projects. So he's getting into magic through the back door, right? He's learning how to build shit. Sure. He had behind-the-scenes access to the newest innovations in magic. That's fun. It might be my favorite thing I've ever said on this podcast. The newest innovations in magic. Come here, this guy. This guy's figured out how to take a rabbit out of a hat. What? Yeah, look. Look at It just looks like a regular hat. Oh, wait for the rabbits. Oh, Christ, there's a rabbit. Ah, innovations, my friend. Innovations. You know, if you put a little brass around the rabbit. Uh huh. Uh huh. That's it, yeah. Huh? You know, if you put like a bunch of brass around the bunny, yeah, it might be a little. Funny little, like... Did you say brass? Hey, yeah, brass, yeah. In the rabbit. Well, I was saying around, but I actually like that bit, yeah. 
a fill him with brass, yeah. Uh, brass up his ass, yeah. Yeah, fill him with that. That's then, not, then, that's don't not, think of this, right? No, that's not magic. Don't think of this as a hat on a hat, if you think about it, because it's like, he pulls out the rabbit, right? And we're, uh-huh. oh, bloody hell, where'd that rabbit come from? It's in the hat. Then he pulls a bunch of, you know, brass out of the, the, the rabbit's, you know, anus. And then everyone Just, goes, whoa, whoa, like this, another trick. So it's like in lumps? Or well, is it... If you like lumps, yeah. Is it in if sheets? If you like lumps, yeah. Is it in sheets? Oh, the brass. Well, I think we could do like a What do you think I was talking about? I didn't know, but I just want to sell this concept, you know. So I'm, I'm yesing, yeah. I'm yes-handing, aren't I? Yeah. You're fired. Oh, I understand why. <laughs> Uh, so also some of the most famous musicians would of, often visit the shop because it was okay. the place to go, sure. like Harry Potter and stuff like that. <laughs> Pardon? Will was becoming a magic expert, but still lacked confidence. His technical skill was exceptional. He got gigs around New York City. He watched any magic show he could. And at age 21, Will married Bessie Smith, who was 16. Okay, sure. Normal age gap. Bessie, Bessie was in love with Will. Okay. Will needed an assistant. Okay. She assisted on stage with tricks, changing costumes, etc. And so she wait, helped. he married her because he needed an assistant. Basically. Wow. Okay. She helped behind the scenes, packing and moving large props, repairing small, intricate props. They were billed as Robinson, the Man of Mystery, the world's marvelous enchanter, assisted by Mademoiselle Bessie in scenes of enchantment. Wow, the title is just. <laughs> Yeah. One thing I got to say, one thing that is definitely approved in America is the naming shit. Yeah. No, We've really killed it on right. that one. Right, yeah. You don't need to, not everything needs, a t- you don't need four titles no, on the show. No, no. Will signed his letters, Mystically Thine. Wow, uh, by w- the way, <laughs> that's how I'm ending every email now. <laughs> Mystically Thine, Gareth. Well, we'll figure it out tomorrow. Mystically Thine. Mm. He grew his mustache long. <laughs> He's making great calls. Yeah, yeah. And curled the ends with wax. Oh, yeah. On stage, he wore black knickers, silk hose, and a formal tailcoat modeling the style of famous magician Alexander Herman. You don't need to tell me anything about that guy. Alexander Herman was a Parisian who came from a family of famous European magicians. Ah, look at that, data. <laughs> look, I made... Uh, I made the brass poop come out of the rabbit. The rabbit's dead. Yes, but it came out. Yeah? Yeah. I got it out. Okay. You like? I'm out of here. You like? <laughs> yeah, I liked. My wife. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> His brother, Carl, was also a well-known magician. Both of them followed in the footsteps of their father and grandfather. Wow. But Alexander was the one who came to America. Herman was the perfect stereotypical magician. Tall, slender, long tailcoat, goatee, black hair, graceful. Was a stereotypical magician. Yeah, fuck yeah, there was. Era. Fuck yeah, there was. Magic was, I mean, with without much going, I mean, magic would, must have just been so entertaining. Oh, they were like rock stars. I mean, they must it They must were like, have they, were, they were rock stars. Oh, uh, that's great. Uh, so he had... Um, 
He, had, he was very graceful. Uh, he had long figures and a great stage presence. He was America's favorite magician for well over 20 years. Wow. And a legitimate celebrity in America. His wife, Adelaide, was part Celebrate. of the show uh, as an actress, dancer, bicycle act, as well as being shot from a cannon. Okay, wow. And levitating in midair. Not, uh, not those things the I same. Those say, are different. I, uh, I married up. Uh, <laughs> uh, absolutely. And by up, I mean a boom! Look at her go! There she goes. Hey. There Look she goes. She's okay again. 39 times. She's been okay. Well, got the best seats he could to watch Herman when he was in New York and studied Herman's act. In December 1883, just eight months after they were married, Bessie and Will had a child. Okay. That's what? usually the not, not the gestation period of a human baby. Wait, how long was it? Eight months. Oh, okay. So. But Bessie was not the child's mother. The mother was probably right. a young servant. You don't hear that a lot. <laughs> You know, the second it came out, I knew she wasn't the mother. So they might have found, and he might have found another reason to get married. She is. This is quite a magic trick. <laughs> so he banged one of the servants living in his parents' house, got her pregnant, and then married someone else to cover up, cover it had... up, and then his when you say parents, servants... and then his parents took the baby to raise it. Okay, so he convinced... His parents adopted his, his child. But they didn't know the truth. No, they did, I think. They did. He yeah, just I did think that they just like, public... I percentage. think they just did a route, yeah, because they wanted to keep the kid, but they didn't want it to come from the servant. Sure. Because then you have a servant baby living... Look, we've all had a servant baby live in our house. It's not great. I, I like them out of all my babies. Um, well, we can ask uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger about it. No, I, yeah. Huh? Yeah, that's definitely the servant baby's... The, best of the babies <laughs> so a year and a half later billy and bessie had an actual baby named <laughs> elmore okay uh, in 1886 will traveled to europe as part of his job at the martinka's magic shop to watch the latest magicians visit fabricating shops and bring the secrets back Okay. So he's like on a magic finding mission, a, a m secret magic fact finding mission. Right. Cool. He left his wife and child at home in England. Will became enthralled by the performance of magician Ben Ali Bay. Okay. Bay dressed with a bizarre turban wrapped around a pointed wizard's cap. He dressed with a turban on a wizard's cap. You fucking bet he did. Did it look normal at all? I don't think so. Does it sound like it could look normal? No. No, I think it sounds crazy. Think of all the rabbits he has hidden in that contraption. Oh, my God. At first, Will didn't know how Ali Bay was doing his tricks, but he carefully squinted through the lights, and he discovered the secret. Squinting. In Berlin, Ali Bay had discovered what was called black art. A German actor playing a slave in blackface appeared on stage. Good Lord. But when the audience didn't react, Ali Bay realized the actor was basically invisible against the black velvet drapes behind him. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. No. Uh. Uh, he disappeared without a race. I can't see him. Um... That is awful. So he had... You know, when isn't blackface informing my material? 
so Ali Bay had black curtains arranged and then gas lights put in a certain way to recreate the trick. And an assistant in all black could not be seen by the audience. They would move around and grab stuff and put it in different places. What? Magic! What? Yeah, it's hidden black eye magic. Which is totally going to make a comeback in America, I think. <sighs> I can't. I know. But if you squint, you can see. Yeah, apparently if you squint. Well, if you look, because the magicians are looking to see how the trick is done. So they're not watching it the same way you and <laughs> Everyone's I looking would. to see how the trick is no, done. No, no. Most people are just looking at it like, oh, wow, that's crazy. But he's like looking for the hidden shit. Where you're not if you're looking at a magic egg. Well, you're I'll just tell you like. What, it ruins the show when you go, oh, there's a guy. <laughs> I can't see anything. Squint, squint. I can't. No, I'm squinting. I squint. can't see anything. There's a guy. He's. Oh, that's Bobby. Hey, guy. Bob. The guy's moving the cube. Um. So Will took black art and brought it to America. Black art. And now that Bessie had a child, she wasn't able to spend all her time assisting Will, and their marriage fell apart. Okay. But they didn't divorce. Surely. It was expensive, and Will was Roman Catholic, so they just. <laughs> Went their separate ways. What? I <laughs> and mean, she took the baby. Oh, my God. So Will met Olive Path, who was a showgirl. She was tiny, under five feet, and very slender, the perfect size to fit into cabinets and to be levitated. Boy, uh, you're the kind of lady I could jam into a cabinet. Holy shit, I could put you in a box. Hi, I'm Will. Hello. <laughs> Olive looked like she was anywhere uh, between the ages of 12 and 40. Hey, uh, I don't know if you noticed I was standing over there. You look somewhere between the <laughs> age of almost adolescent and middle. <laughs> you think I could jam your tiny frame into a cabinet sometime? Martini. <laughs> she was actually 20. Okay. He called her Dot because of her size. <laughs> yep. A charmer. I said it. <laughs> Dot was a dedicated assistant. She sewed costumes, packed props. She practiced each move with Will night after night after night. She was far more devoted than Bessie had ever been. Oh, my ex. She never understood the cabinet stuffing. Oh, I'm so glad we just went our separate ways and stayed married. <laughs> yes. Oh, which reminds me. Ta-da! <laughs> soon, soon, Dot and Will were in love and doing it or whatever they were doing. Doing it? Doing it. Having the, making the love. Yeah, you can say, yeah, they were sleeping, having sex. On August 8th... Were you Roman Catholic? They're, they're slamming this stuff together. What? On, Gross. Don't say that. August 8th, 1887, Will appeared as Ahmed Ben Ali... Oh, boy. ...at a theater in He's Rhode Scottish, Island. He's Scottish, right? Yeah. Okay, good. And remember, he took this from a guy named... Ben... Ben Ali, Ali Bay. Bay. So, so, Acme Ben Ali. So, it's... Ali. So uh, he wore a, a long, dark brown wig and a full beard, Egyptian headdress, and a full white robe. Just that, that a lot of that was just like Ali had the the dress and stuff. And he practiced black art. Will and Dot started calling themselves Mister and Mrs. William Robinson, which made it easier to travel together and share a hotel room. Because if they weren't married, they couldn't share a hotel room. I think it's frowned upon at that time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Bessie fell in love with another vaudeville performer, Hugh Lee. They also started telling people that they were married and they lived in Manhattan. Okay. Some real magic. 
Heinrich Keller was from Erie, Pennsylvania. He, he ran away from home when he was 11, sold dry goods, worked at a printing press. Oh, no, these aren't wet. And sold newspapers in Manhattan. Henry loved magic. He got a job as the magician's assistant uh, at a place and learned the trade. Okay. The trade. Yeah. I, I think I wrote that. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> At age 18, <laughs> Keller set out on his own. It didn't go well. He struggled. He lost all his money and ended up hopping on freight trains. Wow. Uh, and then he rolled into a town and convinced guys to give him uh, free like printing press and stuff to promote his show and said he'd get him on the back end. <laughs> the back end being, I'm gone? Yeah. In Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he pleased to play hockey there, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He rented a hall on the second floor of a building, and on stage, he realized that his small audience was made entirely up of creditors. Oh, God. So at intermission, he lowered his props out of the window on a rope, shimmied down. You definitely whistle when you're doing this. Ran to the train station. <laughs> oh, without a doubt. All good. <laughs> la, 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 la. And Abracopocus. <laughs> oh, God damn it. He's probably gone. <laughs> Uh, still determined, Keller got a job. It's hard to throw a printing press on a runaway freight train. Oh, can't be easy. My back! Still determined, Keller got a job with the originators of the Seance Act. Learned their tricks, and after two years, he set out again. He toured the South, Mexico, and South America. He did two full world tours, Whoa. making and losing fortunes on the way. Good Lord. Must have been fun, though. Yeah. Keller was a big man. By the 1880s, his light brown hair was almost gone, and he had an oversized mustache. L. Frank Baum based the title character from The Wizard of Oz on Keller. Oh, wow. Keller did not like Herman. Okay. Thinking Herman was a pompous fake, and this made Keller work harder to be the best. Okay. He was a solid showman, but... Not really a skillful musician, a magician. Okay. He had a he had thick, stubby fingers. <laughs> oh, that, that can't be good. <laughs> no, you got to have slight of, you know, you got to have the quick movement. And slight. Then, you, and then he's got like little fucking Trump hands bopping around and smashing into shit. <laughs> oh, ow. Uh, I see the dove's head. He performed. I see the dove's head in your head. <laughs> damn you, nubs. Oh, God damn it. Why do I have little nubbies? <laughs> Just goes in all drunk to a doctor. Make him bigger. I don't care what you do. Uh, Use a hammer. Just make him bigger. I'm looking to have finger implants. I like them bigger, please. Pull them out, doc. Pull them out. <laughs> Yank them, doc. Uh, so he's probably trying to blow into his thumb like that weird trick. Trying <laughs> <laughs> to inflate him. So he was always second best to Herman. Now. The success of black art brought Will interest from both Herman and Keller. Okay. Herman then announced a new tour with his two new illusions, black art and Le Cocon, which is also something else that was in Will and Dot's act. Okay. It's cocaine, uh, right? I, I, I didn't write it all down. There was a lot of descriptions of how they did their tricks. and Sure. At some point that gets boring. Right. But it was basically just somebody was doing it. She was doing it. Dot was doing it. Oh, Dot was the one going in the... Le Cocoon. Right, okay. 
I think it's cocoon in right. French. Uh, so he basically just copied this stuff from Will's act. Keller then hired Will and Dot to do black art as well as work backstage on his show. Okay. So he's legit. Keller? Yeah. World Tours lost and made millions, but he's up and coming still? Yeah. Keller announced his tour of, quote, the wonderful Keller, monarch of the high class of prestigitation. Whoa. I don't know what that is. Prestigitation? This is before autocorrect. Keller didn't like Will's choice of name and ethnicity for the black art. (laughs) Ahmed Ben Ali of Egypt was out, and Will was now Nana Shahib from India. Wow. He really got worse. (laughs) Nana Shahib was billed as the East Indian necromancer in Oriental occultism. God, I mean, these are just so specific. Yeah, it's super. And what it's, does that even mean? It, I don't know, but it's the same fucking act. He's just doing the same act. It's just a different name. Oh, that, that's a great way to do shit. People should do that just with change your name. Special. Yeah. Yeah. Just change the name of the album. When Herman and Keller were playing in the same city, Herman's tour manager found Will and offered to double his salary if he left Keller and came to work for Herman. Keller heard about it and saw the tour manager trying again the next day with Will on the street, and Keller stormed across the street and knocked the manager to the ground. Wow. The manager looked up and said, quote, Oh, Keller, I'd be so glad to see you. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird it's exchange. It's definitely a lie. It's definitely a weird. It's got to yeah. be a lie, right? Oh, absolutely. I'd be so happy to see you. Keller responded, You lie, you miserable, craven-hearted Greek. <laughs> This was apparently when the Greeks were bottom of the barrel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, come on. You are not glad to see me. And then he pulled them into the gutter. Whoa, get down there, you Greek. Yeah, Greek, you belong in the gutter. Get the sewer, you dirty Greek. Here's your fucking gyro. Here's your money, you Greek. Will realized that America's two biggest magicians were literally fighting over him. Wow. Keller told the reporter, quote, Herman is the most unprincipled man I've ever met, and I think he'd lie for a three-cent piece. And to show my appreciation for Will Robinson, I raised his salary $75 a week more than I paid him last year, or $15 more than Herman offered him. Wow. Herman and Keller spent 1887 racing across the United States with their shows, trying to outbook each other. But after two seasons with Keller, Will and Dot left to join Herman's show. Oh, they did it. Taking their black act. Wow. With them. Keller was just second best. Herman was the top dog. And and as a magician, Will was more fascinated by Herman because he didn't have stubby little fingers. Right. Oh, really? The stubbies were that bad? Yeah. I mean, it's not great. Sorry, it's, it's like I, he's uh, doing magic with his toes. Sorry. I- <laughs> Sorry, I dropped the wand again. I don't know, just much... Welcome to Johnny Toe Implants Magic Emporium. Yeah, there was definitely a time, definitely a time where he said to someone intoxicated, "Yeah, I just wish there was a trick to make my fingers bigger." <laughs> There's one trick I can't do. That's the one, uh, you know, the biggest trick in my life is the one God played on these nubby little hands. <laughs> so Hugh and uh, 
Bessie Lee, right, the, his first wife, were still working in vaudeville, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, Elmore, Bessie's son with Will, didn't really fit into the new Lee family lifestyle, so they put Elmore in an orphanage. Oh, my God. And that was the last Will saw of his son. Oh, my God. That's just the way things worked back then. Honey, uh, I married this fella, and we're not... Uh, we don't really see how you work in here, I, so uh, you're gonna go live with a priest and a, and a bunch of boys. Sure, my mom was. <laughs> oh my god, was. I can't imagine like making the. This is what happened to Babe Ruth. His parents just put him in a fucking orphanage. That's so weird to do it after, like, after they've sort of formed. Oh yeah, Babe Ruth. Like... Babe Ruth was like I think eight, and his parents were like okay. Boy, I mean, how hard were they kicking themselves? <laughs> Pretty hard, I right? Bet. I mean, yeah. there there are certain, there, you know, there's a lot of like famous people who have dad issues yeah. and don't talk to their dad, but you yeah. just gotta be like, oh, really... I fucked this one up. Yeah. Oh like, boy. Like you know, Eminem's dad's just sitting there, like, always like re-editing the letter that he's like, what if I did send it and I just got it right? <laughs> Uh, so Herman was, um, a much more relaxed boss and magician than, uh, Keller. He shrugged off mistakes and his big personality smoothed over any bumps in the performance. He spoke excellent English with a Parisian accent. His cast and crew lived far more luxuriously than Keller's. The best hotels, the finest restaurants. He spent lavishly on clothing, wine, silks, antiques, tobacco, and Madame Adelaide Herman handled the business side of the show. Sounds pretty good. Dot became an invaluable part of the show. A journal for magicians proclaimed her... Dot, I could not do a lot of the performance without you. I feel like you didn't hear what I was, what I was about to say. Sorry, start again. A journal for magicians. Okay. I understand why you wanted to run that back. <laughs> oh, wow. I heard the new magician's journal's out. Oh, boy. You read the new magician. You read the new MJ. Yeah, they got this new thing about a, a rabbit in a hat. Have you heard about this? Yeah, with the brass in the ass. I'm sorry. You know, read in the back. They're shoving brass in these rabbits now. It's a trick on a trick. A hat on a hat. So you take a you take a rabbit out of a hat and you pull brass out of the rabbit? Yeah. The only downside is the rabbit dies for sure. <laughs> um. So the journal for magicians proclaimed her the queen of assistants. Pretty, graceful, and quick, and brains enough for two. Hey. So she's now getting written up in Magician's Magazine. So she's big. There is enough magicians <laughs> at this time to make a Magician's Magazine. Yeah, and she's queen of the uh, Magician's And she's the centerfold. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Look at this one. You can really put her in a box, Jimmy. Boy, that is so weird to imagine a time when people are like, whoa. <laughs> Um, so Herman often told her with imagination, with admiration, dot after they made you, the mold was broken. It's actually, they broke the mold. Abracabucas. It's actually abracadabra. I'm so sorry. The Robinson's famous black art act was given a place of honor in the show. Of course. But Herman didn't like... The stage name Keller had given for Will, Nana Shahib, or he didn't like the original Ahmed Ben Ali, 
So his new stage name... No, no more tweaking. ...became the no. Wizard Abdul Khan. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I've completely lost perspective as far as where things are getting more... No, hold the fuck on. I saw this act last year. This guy wasn't no Wizard Abdul... He was the Ben Ali fella. He spent a year and a half tweaking and practicing a new title. It's the same guy with a different name. It's yes, just... but think of the title throughout it. It's wow. the same thing. The title's totally different. No, but I can see the black guy walking around and back. It's the same thing. He's just There's got no different... squinting allowed during the show, sir. I, I saw the signs. There's no thievery or squinting. I saw the signs. Open your goddamn eyes. Holy shit, you could really put that girl in a box, huh? Close them a little more. <laughs> Will and Dot still plan to eventually go out on their own. So while the Hermans took summers off, Will and Dot performed, working on new tricks. But Will was still very at his ease on stage, very ill at ease on stage. Okay. Also, Will's teeth were small and discolored, which made him... Well, it's not great for a performer. To When he smiles, everyone's like, oh, God, there's a rat! Oh, God, you look like Herman's hands. Holy shit, there's like little rocks in there that are tiny. and So he avoids... I guess, uh, don't worry, I've got a contingency plan. I'll just never be happy again. So he's, he has not great hands and... Wait, th oh, this is the same... Oh, no, oh, no, his hands are okay. Oh, okay. But no, he's, he's got the weird teeth, and he, so he never smiles on stage. He's, he doesn't have a great personality. So he's lacking a personality and good teeth, and the other guy has tiny little right. fingers. He's got the personality of his teeth. For reasons we don't know, early in 1892, Will left Herman and rejoined Keller. No one knows why. What kind of mind games is he playing? The next year, an old friend of Will's, Zanzik, he knew from the early magic days. <laughs> you know, like when they're open micers or whatever it is. Oh my God, my old buddy Zanzik! <laughs> Zanzik the Fantastic, how the hell have you been? Hey, what's up? Are you still, are you still fantastic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm still the fantastic Zanzik. No, but are you doing fantastic? The fantastic thing? Are you well? Oh, <laughs> you old kidder. Poof, I'm gone. I knew you didn't go anywhere. Ah, right here, it's a trick. It's just smoke. Hold on, have you seen the thing where I pull a mattress out of a backpack? Uh, what? Yeah, nobody does that. It's not invented yet. Are you about to try to do future product placement during the podcast? Yeah, I'm going to pull a cast out of a backpack. <laughs> And then it's a blue apron. <laughs> so Zanzig approaches Will with a get-rich-quick plan. The plan is to open a spiritualist parlor in Chicago during the upcoming World's Fair. Genius. So he and Will rented a house and spent $5,000 tricking it out. There was a trapdoor, blank slates where chalk messages would appear, gauzy fabric that had been colored with phosphorescent paint to float in front of black curtains, Zanzik also hired private detectives to find out information about the clients who came to get seances. Well, Zanzik. Well, Zanzik. Are you possibly going a step too oh, far, Zanzik? Oh, my. One of those was a wealthy old German businessman who came back for seance after seance, and he paid very well. After being pushed, Will and Zanzik finally arranged to materialize a vision 
of his dead wife. Oh, no. Oh, God. Well, I saw it on the next visit. Maybe I could talk to Diana. Oh, in, in the... Yeah, she's my wife and she's gone. In the person, in person, you want... Do you want? I just like to communicate with the spirit. I'll pay anything. Oh, any anything is like a thousand, a thousand dollars is like anything. A thousand dollars. Yes, yes. Okay. They found a young woman who matched her description, Uh, draped her with gauze, and put her in a darkened room. Ah, Dave. Afterwards, the businessman said he would like to spend an hour with his wife's spirit. No. Alone. No. He just got comied. Alone. No. No way. I said, I say no. Zanzik negotiated a big fee, found a prostitute. Oh, my God. What is happening? And put a bed in the seance room. Oh, my God. He's arranging for ghost bangs? He's going to fuck his wife's ghost. What? <laughs> this, uh, that's the question? The hardest I've ever come? <laughs> But it's a funny story, actually. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I mean, he really loved her. In a pin... But a ma- <laughs> Imagine the backstage of this. I can't. Hey, so uh, the old man will pay top dollar if he can bang her. Go find a prostitute real quick. And just, I get cut a hole in the gauze. And just running out there. Hey, ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. <laughs> Are you a sex worker? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I've got want? a German. Okay, please, wait please, a minute. No, 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 no. You know, I, I, I stopped doing I got a German. I stopped doing I got a German. Okay, okay, but I stopped. I've got, I've got a German. I don't do the German stuff. I've got, I understand. It's not any of this. It's not regular German. Okay. I've got a German oh. who's looking to have sex with his dead wife. You're a dead ringer for her. I mean, you're a ringer for her. I mean, you'll do if there's a man completely draped in blackness that can sort of aid you in this seance sort of setting. The point is, if you come back, you can get 10%. Please, let okay. this man bang. Uh, hey. Okay. Hey, listen. Yeah. I do Romanians. I've always done Romanian. Okay. You, this, he's close to Romanian. Your name's Diane. But this is a classic Romanian. We gotta move. We gotta move. Okay, okay. <laughs> Put on your gauze. Here, put on this gauze. So after, so they go for it, right? Is, they this find, is happening. They find he does it. So yeah, they get a prostitute. They put a bed in the seance room. They put her in it. The German goes in, and I'm he's alone. Dead. He's I'm... alone with the spirit of his dead wife. <laughs> This is a callback to like episode three. Or After a while, there was a scream from inside the room. Oh, no. Will and Zanzik burst in to find the girl in tears. Oh, God. The old German man had had a heart attack oh, during sex and no. was dead. Shut up. Yeah. What? He was so excited. It was so great. He came in his heart. He came in his heart. The magicians dressed him up. And carried the body to the street, hoping to drop it on the sidewalk what, they, unnoticed. I mean, you, ima- what is what the fuck? I imagine, thought they were magicians. Imagine if this was a movie you pitched. <laughs> he they they arranged for the German man to have sex with his dead wife in a moment's notice. Got yeah. a prostitute willing to have sex with him. Left him alone in a room with her. He died from anticipation of the sex. Yeah, but I don't think it was at moment's notice. I think they went and planned it out. Okay. Other than that, yes. Still. 
you so, prepare. It's like when that dude had a heart attack during my set. You prepare for everything. <laughs> and then someone's dying. So they take the dead body out, but they didn't realize the businessman had brought his servant. And the servant saw what was happening and called police. And the cops came. Oh, are you going to be a dick about this? And- <laughs> And Zanzik had to quickly explain the situation. Oh, uh, officer, it's... Uh, uh, this is very I'm, simple. I'm uh, Zanzik the Terrific, very... and I will uh, simply tell you what has happened. You see, this German man wanted to sleep with his dead wife and died when he was about to sleep with a prostitute we'd hired who looked like her. And we were going to dispose of the body. My God, why don't you go look at H.H. Holmes' house? Good Lord. So, they ended up paying off the cops. Oh, my God. And then had to abandon the whole seance gig and flee town. Jesus. So Will went back to working for Kelly. So everybody wins. Yeah. Except the German guy. Well, he kind of won. Well, and them. So Will went back to working for Keller. And during a summer heat wave in 1894, Herman held a benefit to raise money to get ice to poor people all over New York City. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the finale of the show was we'll the back to those times. was the marvelous bullet catching feat. Oh boy! Herman would catch six bullets fired from rifles. This trick is still considered to be the most dangerous magic trick there is. It dates back to the 1600s and was standard among magicians in the late 1800s. Herman only performed the bullet catch a few times in his career and only on special occasions. And you, you, the illusion is that they're catching bullets. Yeah. In their hands? Yeah. Well, or plate usually, but yeah, hands. Excuse me. Oh, they're blocking a bullet. Well, the the idea is that the someone shoots a bullet and they have something they catch it with. If not their hands, then a plate or whatever. Well, one is very impressive, and one is a plate. Well, you know, bullets usually go through plates. I don't know if you know. Just a about, regular plate. Yeah, a fucking porcelain plate. A porcelain plate. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. Will and Dot were in the audience. <laughs> I mean, it just sounds like a murder. What happened here? Well, officer, we just got to put a plate in a dude's hands after you shot him, and you're fine. (laughs) He's trying to catch butts. It's your classic magic trick gone wrong, officer. uh... So Will and Dot were in the audience watching, and they went back to Herman uh, a couple of months after the show. So now they've gone back to Herman. They're really just... Yeah. Make up your mind. And again... There was a battle with Keller over bookings in uh, cities. They plastered posters of each other's posters and had huge competing newspaper ads. Will started doing a great impression of Alexander Herman backstage for the rest of the cast. Will was a great impressionist. And on December 3rd, 1895, Herman was performing at a theater in San Francisco. And at the exact same time, he was also across town at Mechanics Pavilion riding one of his stallions in a horse show. The newspapers reported on this insanely incredible feat, a man in two places at the same time. The work of a master magician is what this was. It was actually Will performing magic in the theater doing an impression of Herman. He was so good that he could just mimic. Wow. <laughs> I... I... While Herman rode around on a horse. And, and people are like, what? So now he's done this amazing trick and everyone's mind is blown. Because there were, he was in two places at once. Yeah. Seven, this is before that was proven to be crazy. <laughs> seven days later, Alexander Herman died at the age of 52. Whoa. Adelaide Herman tried to keep the show going. 
She was now deep in debt. Will thought he'd be promoted to take over the show, but Adelaide wasn't interested. Jeez. Instead, she hired Alexander's nephew, Leon Herman, to come to America and star on the show. He was a great double for Herman and soon took over, and Will was very upset. So Will and Dot tried to go it alone again. But Will's exciting act now felt old-fashioned and slow. Also, Will avoided speaking, uncomfortable using his own voice. <laughs> this is like, that is such a uh, uh, horrid affliction to have. And yeah, now the magician Blinky McMumbles. <laughs> now the magician. That is such a horrible, I mean, that would be such a terrible thing. He basically up. hated being himself on stage. Yeah. That's why he was such he a great mimic. He hated to hear himself. That's why he was a great mimic. Because if you hated to hear yourself. Uh, I mean, I'm obviously the opposite, but well, if you hated to hear yourself. His long experience as an assistant. And had, uh, what will you be having, sir? Uh, ah, there's a lovely decision from a school. Uh, some vodka. His long experience as an assistant had now ruined him as a magician. Uh, Will and Dot reluctantly returned to work for Madame Herman, supervising backstage and working as assistants. Leon was a talented magician, but he didn't have the same spark that his uncle had. Audiences found him to be very cold. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's you can't, I, I'm not, and I'm not like. I guess maybe this was just before magicians could easily veil their likability because now it seems like it's pretty much just smiles and jazz hands yeah. and you're like, oh yeah, he's good. Yeah. Uh, in the summer of 1898, the Trans-Mississippi Exposition World's Fair opened in Omaha, Nebraska. In the audience, in the Chinese auditorium, the Ching Lu Fu troupe of Oriental wonder workers performed each day. Sure. Well, no, no, no jokes there. <laughs> The star was a tall, lanky magician named Ching Lu Ling Fu. In his signature trick, he produced from thin air a large porcelain basin filled with sloshing water and floating red apples. I mean, I want to see that one. <laughs> Out of all, everything I read, that was the one I wanted to see. Yeah. Well, uh, and, uh, na- and now the sink. Um, you know what I think I'm going to close with is the sink of floating water apples. <laughs> it's just... Ching Fu was raised near Peking and learned magic for fun when he was 30. Wow. So he's a okay. late, so late, late bloomer. yeah, late bloomer. He was a natural performer and was soon entertaining Chinese officials and prominent visiting Europeans. He spoke no English and learned to present his magic silently. Well, <laughs> Will? Huh? Huh? That summer, the Herman Show was also. I'm also from China. Who was also in Omaha. Fu watched Herman's show from a box near the stage. One of Leon's specialties was linking eight large metal rings into a chain. I thought you said licking. Linking. Not licking. Licking would be. Way better. Uh, This was considered to be an authentic Chinese trick in the United States. Okay. What does that mean? So... All United States magicians thought the the linking of the rings was a Chinese magic trick. Okay, right, gotcha. Leon pointed the uh, trick directly at Fu when he was doing it and performed in an ostentatious grandstandy kind of way. So he's like showing off he's in front of Fu. Dick. Look, man, I'm doing the Chinese ring trick. Dick. Yeah. 
Fu watched coldly and did not applaud. God, imagine being able to watch Magician Tension. <laughs> like if you had a heads up on what the, the subtext was of these moments. Ah, uh, be the best. Oh, look at how livid Fu is. Oh, my God. He is pissed off. Does not like the game. rings into a chain. Oh, God, he just directed it at him. A few nights later, Fu did a show, and this time, the Herman Party watched. Okay. Wow. So there's... Okay. Cha- uh, Fu had eight linking... Uh, oh, this is a quote from a, gu- a guy who watched the show. Okay. Of Ching's eight... Oh, man, it was nuts! Cha-ching. They were staring at each other. Cha- this is Ching doing the linking rings trick. Okay. He tossed a ring high into the air, linking it on the fly as it fell. Fu ruled, f- rolled a ring on stage with backspin so it stopped and returned to him. This ring he linked while it was in motion. He then followed with an exhibition of linking rings beyond description, some in the air, some thrown from him and returning, some springing about the stage, all being linked and unlinked rapidly in the most marvelous manner. Then he suddenly, suddenly stopped and uttered, Bah! And then threw the rings backstage, disgusted by the trick. Wait, who? This who's this bystander? Whoever you're like getting your quote from, be like, that's a really great uh, quote. Thank you very much for that. Uh, that was very specific. I think he wrote about it. So he just so he so Fu. So he did an amazing Fu did an amazing ring show. He was Lord of the Rings. But he also at the and end. And then at the end, he was like. I hate my rings. No, he was like, this is bullshit. This is beneath me. This isn't a good trick, even though I'm the master of it. He's basically calling Leon's trick bullshit. I mean, he's saying you're a fucking shit magician. I mean, really the, the, what you need to gather from these, the magic tension. Oh, there's so much magic tension. I mean, so much magic tension. That's the sitcom title of these two. In New York, Will watched Foo's show and figured out how Foo did the bull trick. Right, the big porcelain bowl. Yeah, with the apples. And taught himself how to do it. Will then realized he couldn't just present a Chinese act. He would need to be Chinese. What is going on? He... He needs to be Chinese? Like Fu, Will Will would be silent. Oh, because of the silence, Will wants to be Chinese. Well, he just can't. It's he, just that part of it's the another silver line. It's another upside to. No, I think that uh, he. It's not even an upside. He just. I mean, it helps that he doesn't talk because the Chinese guy doesn't talk. He but hates he his own voice. He he knows if he's go- in his mind if he's doing a trick, it, it has to be associated with that ethnicity. My guess is you can't prepare yourself for that. Look, when that's an opposing magician. This is pure magic. This is a guy who has integrity. <laughs> so, so Will would be silent. He played the role much like he had for so many years, playing different parts in Herman's show. Will bought a black wig. It had hair on top of the scalp that was long and braided, while the front portion was shaved. He darkened his face with grease paint trimmed his already receding hairline and shaved off his long mustache. Oh god. Will then hired a Chinese juggler named Prince Lee Prince Fi Lung. Is that an awkward hire? Oh, <laughs> and just so you know, my act uh, sorry. I probably should have I should tell you this before we get to the venue next time. My act's a little different and uh <laughs> 
You know, I uh, I'm Chinese in the act, and uh, huh? what I basically do is. I'm sorry. I mean, could you? What did you say? I am Chinese in the act, and it's a whole thing. Oh, uh, hold on. What? How, do, how are you? How are you Chinese? I'm greasing You're... up my face. I grease my face up what? real good, and then I'm a Chinese. What? Person. So we're fucking dirty? No, 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 no. Hey, oh my god! You're rubbing just dirt. Hey, keep in mind who hired you, asshole. Okay, how can I be racist when I'm hiring a Chinese guy? You're putting dirt on your face to be like Greece. me. Fuck you. Grease. Dirt. Dirt. Good, I have some integrity. Anyway, I shave my head, I do a whole squinting thing, and I grease up the mug real You do a good. what thing? A what? I don't even know what I... What did I say? Did I say fuck you? I think I said fuck you. Fuck you. Oh, I thought that was your name. I am so sorry. I am just the worst. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm, le- I'm leaving. I'm, I don't work here. I don't want to work here. Do you know of any other Chinese people who... Uh, could help a fellow Chinaman like myself. Oh, oh sorry? Oh, sorry. Let me put the grease on. Hello. <laughs> Remember me? <laughs> it's me from before. So, Fi Lung, his specialty was being suspended by a hook braided into his thick black pigtail, and he would dangle over the stage while he juggled burning torches. I mean, that's the assistant? Yeah. <laughs> Because you're saying that's a main act shit. I'm saying that's headlining material. (laughs) Since there were already Chinese magicians in America, Will got in contact with a Paris theater. And on March 15th, 1900, Will, calling himself Hop Sing Lu, did his first first show. (laughs) Lu's tricks were slow and unsteady. He messed up the finale, which was Fu's famous bowl of water trick. He sent water and apples splashing across the stage. The musicians in the pit ran from the water. The curtain fell. Will thought he had completely blown it. Well, thankfully, he's not Will. But Lucky Hop Sing's blown it. Lucky for him, a couple nights later, there was another show at the same theater. The closing bit included an actual bullfight. There were flamenco well, dancers. What? Ma- it's not a magic show. There were flamenco dancers. It doesn't matter that it's <laughs> not a magic show. I'm not worried that it's a magic show. It's a bullfight inside? I guess, I guess I didn't put that together. It's an inside bullfight. I've read fight. this so many times it didn't face me. Yeah. No, it's not a magic show. There's bulls oh, on stage. Oh, oh real bulls. Oh, Okay, sorry. I thought these were fake. Oh, they're real bulls. Okay, keep going, bud. All right, real bulls having a bullfight inside. All right. There were flamenco dancers, matadors, 60 actors, and 25 live bulls. Hey, what? But a bull charged the railing between the show and the audience. And wait, the wait, audience. Wait. The bulls weren't in control inside the theater? I guess there seems like there's a, a loophole here. My biggest regret, not sticking to 24. <laughs> that one. That son of a bitch! I knew he was a loose cannon. The audience freaked out and stampeded. Why? Then bulls were banned from the stage. That's it. I'm done with bulls. But what it did was it got all the PR on that, all the press on them, and then everyone forgot about the fact that he fucked up his magic trick. Of course. Oh, of course. So Will kept working and improved. Boy, that, I mean... That that is uh, that's the that that's Gary Condit on nine eleven. It's I mean that that is when you have it completely really is. 
huh? It really is. I, I mean, you're just you you are like sitting in the middle of the biggest pickle. Yeah. Only to see a larger pickle walk in no, and be it, like, "There's a new sheriff in town." It's the it's just perfect timing. My well, life's over. My career. Bulls are attacking people <laughs> in the theater inside uh, tonight. Oh yes. Oh yes. He was probably back there stoking the bulls. Yeah, I would be. The theater manager demanded Will pick up a better uh, pick a better name than Hop Sing Lu. No, I think we're pretty good. Right. So Will chose Chung Ling Su, which was super close to the guy he was ripping off named Ching Ling Fu. Wow. Dot became Sui Sin. Next, Will made his way to London. He was advertised as, quote, Chung Ling Su, the great Chinese magician, will make his first appearance in Europe tonight. He will perform his remarkable bowl trick containing three pails of water and live ducks. His fire juggling, angling, and forehand catching live goldfish in midair and a group of new feats never before seen in this country. I, I have a list of problems, but <laughs> you're blowing the big finale trick. What? Why? Because oh. you're saying exactly what happened. Well, the live ducks is fucking crazy addition. I'm yeah, totally you don't in there. Say now. that, right? But a guy's, if I can understand this correctly, a guy makes a porcelain bath appear, and there's ducks in it. That's I'm fucking in. That's the greatest thing. I guess you're right. There's yeah. ducks. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, all you have to do is if you're going to do a, ma- a magician show, a magic show, and I'm around, if you just put there will be ducks, I'm going. Oh, you should go see my buddy, uh, Daryl. There will be ducks. That's his name? Yeah. Fuck him in. He actually doesn't work with ducks anymore. What? For the first time in his life, Will was comfortable on stage. <laughs> Sue did not speak English, so Will could focus on the tricks instead of banter. Will didn't squint, grimace, or grunt the way a stereotypical Chinese performer was portrayed in West End comedy. Will gave Su a natural grace and dignity. Chung Ling Su became part of Will. He told a friend, quote, The moment I stepped upon the stage, I lose my identity and become Chung Ling Su. Good Lord. I mean... I when I... Let me tell you something. Yeah, talk, walk me through So I get, I, get all, I get my trunk, I get all my stuff... But when I walk on that stage, I am so Chinese. So did you say Chinese? <laughs> what? <laughs> Sticking with the time. That's the phrase they used. Yeah, I was still in character. I know. I had to pull out. Excuse me? So. So this guy is getting law. I mean. It's yeah, no, he's, very, going, he's going full. Very, He's going Strange full. To talk to, when you hear someone say that, uh, you know, for the most part, I'm Chung Ling Su on stage. But they really, they really use the term Chinese. I had to, I cut it out a bunch. They, they really use Chinese. Oh yeah, all the time. I cut. I think I took. I think I took them all out because at some point you get tired of saying that. <laughs> Will Will had a successful three month run and found himself booked for months throughout Europe. He would never perform under his real name again. He signed his letters. Chung Ling Su or Su. Friends and associates still called him Rob. I don't know, Rob. I don't know why he's Rob. so weird. He got... Uh, well, right... you know, that's uh, when Rob became Chung Ling. So. Yeah, but his name's Will. Will. I mean, I guess they call him Rob because his last name's Robinson. Wait, okay. Why do they call him Rob? His last Robinson. name's Robinson, I guess. <sighs> you know, he just hates the name Will. So he... I, I, I just do it. I call him Chung Ling. 
I just go with it. He got write-ups and papers. Weekly Reporter wrote, quote, his skin is yellow, his eyes are black and oblique, and his teeth are absolutely inky as those of all true celestials of rank should be. They just let that one slide. That's are not we good. Just let it slide? Yeah, it's bad. We're bad. It's bad. bad. It's bad. In papers. <laughs> In papers. Oh! Honey, you're not going to believe this article I just read. This man's greased up his face and is juggling. <sighs> Reporters were told Sue did not speak a word of English. Questions were directed at Fi Lung, who rephrased the question in perfect Chinese. Will would consider the question, then let loose Shut with up. a long string of mock Chinese, Chinese gibberish. Shut up. So someone would ask a question in English, he would understand it, he would have fake translation, yeah. and then he would reply with gibberish that would be translated. Like just horseshit crazy. But then what crazy. are you translating what he Well, says? then the guy just makes just something guy, up. He says... Uh, He's very happy. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, he's tired from yeah. all the traveling. Yeah. But he's excited to be here and do the show. It's fucking crazy. That <sighs> is insane. In the summer of 1900, Will and Dot were riding on the top level of a bus when a man asked, excuse me, isn't your name Robinson? And he held out his hand. Nice to meet you. I'm Harry Houdini. Whoa. Houdini and his wife, Bess, quickly became good friends with Will and Dot. Dot and Bess were like sisters. As they toured, their paths kept crossing constantly. They found themselves working together in Berlin. In a letter, Will wrote to Houdini, quote, I'm not doing so bad for an old Chinaman. Oh, my God. No. This. No. No. It's just. He's so lost. So. There's no trap door in his mind. I'm not doing so bad for an old Chinaman, said the white guy. I have plenty to eat, plenty to wear, a place to sleep, and a few coppers put away for a rainy day. Like most Chinamen, I've planned ahead. But then, you know... My people have uh, grown from learning from trying times such as this. I actually don't know anything about Houdini, really, but... That means Houdini is totally cool with his buddy acting like he's Chinese. Well, but the whole thing is, what's so fucked is that it isn't crazy. It isn't crazy. <laughs> it's not crazy at this time. No, it's not at all it's crazy. It's not crazy. So, but at the same time... It's totally, it's totally messed up. But they still are living in a time where the, they've not made strides near close enough for someone to be like, it's not okay <laughs> to do this. I mean, talk about baby steps. We are, we are, no. we, we, we like steps back too. I can't. But God damn, do we take baby steps? Uh, in 1903, Will's dad died and he returned to New York. In 1904, Mac Lee, Mac Fee Lung left the show and was replaced by Fucado Camatero, who was known as Frank. Sure. That's just because no one wanted to say his name. Well, no, I think it's just... about time. I, my, what my hope would be is that offstage, he just acts like a stereotypical white guy. He's like, yeah, I'm Frank. Give me burgers. <laughs> yeah, I'm Frank. Uh, Frank's specialty was the ladder of swords. He went up a ladder of swords with the sharp edges pointing up. Okay. That's fucking impressive. That's Frank was Japanese, so the interviews became more complicated. Be, wait, now because... Don't tell me 
The reporters asked questions in English. Frank then repeated them in to Japanese. Will in f- fake Chinese. In fake Chinese. He, so he's Japanese, and so now he says... He's pretending he's Chinese. He's gibberish, too. And then he would talk gibberish Chinese to Will, and then Will would respond in his own version of gibberish Chinese, what and then was, Frank would nod and answer the question in English. What was the vibe if a Chinese person was in the reporter? <laughs> oh, my God! Uh, uh, no questions today. <laughs> <laughs> Will returned to London as Sue in the spring of 1904, now with 14 in his company. He made 1,075 pounds a week, or $5,400. Wow. One of those tricks he did at the time was called Condemned to Death by the Boxers, bullet-catching trick. Five, Chinese, uh, five assistants dressed in Chinese armor and formed a line on the stage. Dot, as Sue son took five lead bullets into the audience. By the way, it's getting normal. (laughs) So that's problematic. She took five lead bullets into the audience and asked that uh, audience members scratch marks on them. And the bullets were then loaded into the rifles, each soldier packing his rifle with uh, black powder, uh, the marked bullet, and and wadding. And Chung Ling Su stood across the stage holding up a porcelain plate at arm's length. Frank would give the signals, the guns would shoot, the bullets would rattle against the porcelain plate, and Sue would show the identifying scratch marks on the bullets the audience had made. The trick was considered very dangerous, and he only performed it sporadically. How, how, but how does it work? Well, they just switch the bullets at some point before they put them in the gun. What is, what is in the gun? Just blanks? I mean, oh, what? you'll find out. Oh. It'll come. So you do have a happy ending. In 1904, Ching Ling Fu arrived in London. Fu knew Su was really Will and was not happy about it. Good Lord. I mean, that sounds like Dr. Seuss. <laughs> Fing told the Weekly Dispatch that Chung Ling Su was not Chinese, but a, quote, foreign devil. <laughs> he said he could actually smell that Su was a Westerner as the magician passed him in the theater. Wow. He smelled like round eye. Smells. Fu said that the robes Sue wore were only worn by royalty. Quote, he's not a Chinaman at all, but a Scotch-American named Robinson. All Englishmen alike all wear pretty clothes if they want, but Chinamen, no. Chinamen wear only what he allowed. He wears women's dress. Him one big fool. So they caught the... They didn't... Smooth out the language, no. Why would the language no. issues? <laughs> Point out that he's crazy. Not the Scotsman who's wearing kimonos calling them Chinese. The next day, Fu's manager made a challenge. Look at me, magical. <laughs> His manager offered one thousand pounds if Sue could do ten out of twenty of Fu's tricks. Okay. Okay. It's a ma- ma- we're having a magic off. Yes, I understand. So I just want to make sure who I know who. Fu's manager. Who, who, Fu. Okay. Fu's manager. Give Sue, a, Will, Sue slash Will a challenge. To, that, that Will can't do <clears throat> any of the actual Chinese guys okay. act. Ten, ten out of twenty. Do. Yeah, I mean, it's not great that, they, that he copied the name so much. that It's impossible. Yeah, well, there was no other way for me to do it. It's, it's not your goes. fault. I know. It's this asshole. Um, so, uh, and then the other thing is if if Fu 
failed to do just one of Sue's tricks, then he would win the money also. So there's two parts of the challenge. Either either Will can't do t- 10 of, of his 20 tricks right. or Fu can't do one. one of his. Yeah. So clearly he's a superior magician. Yeah. Um, Will agreed. But he was worried that if they met on stage, that Fu would rip his wig off. Oh, my God. <laughs> so That's his fear in all of this? <laughs> I just don't want him to know that the hair's not real. <laughs> so he had his own claws. There had to be a glass partition between the two of them so there could be no personal contact. By the way, it really says a lot about this story that when you said he had his own claws... I pictured actual claws. Yeah, fuck yeah. That's what I meant. We're going to get to that. Okay. The London newspapers had a field day, quote, with headlines, quote, Did Foo Fool Sue? Oh, God. Can Sue Sue Foo? Oh, no. Oh, God. I can only imagine. Will needed a trick that Foo couldn't do. So he wired. (laughs) I mean, it's impossible to not be rhyming. He wired Houdini to ask how to do his famous needle trick. In it, Houdini swallowed needles, then swallowed thread. He coughed, cleared his throat, and pulled the end of the thread, bringing forth one needle after another. Both men uh, knew Fu wouldn't be able to do the trick, so Houdini quickly taught Rob the trick. The next morning, January 7th... He taught it him via, like... I think he. Yeah, I think he explained it to him, but through via wire. Te- telegram. Yeah, yeah must must have been. But, I mean, then, once you once you you just uh, keep swallowing, but you're the needles from before. Oh, I think I said needle in the wrong spot. Or here, why don't you just take the paper? <laughs> Punch your tummy. <laughs> uh, so Sue made a huge grand entrance, driving down the street in uh, dressed in Chinese clothes and waving to crowds who had gathered. He's in a big, long red car, him and Dot waving. Yeah. And it's White big... people are like, you're my favorite Chinese person. <laughs> Seriously. At the weekly dispatch offices, he was taken into the room that was fitted for the challenge. Chu sat. Sorry. Sue. <laughs> <laughs> Sue sat. It is, like, it is like Dr. Seuss. Sue sat and didn't speak and waited. After an hour of waiting, the editor suggested that Sue start. And Sue put on a show for the reporters. He did 10 Chinese tricks. And then at the end, the audience wildly applauded. Fu did not show. Whoa. Will believed Fu had known he was going to perform the needle trick. And since he could not do it, he did not show. So somehow he figured out that Will Will was going to do Houdini's trick and he bailed. So he knew that Will had learned how to do the trick. Yes, somehow, yeah. Uh, Sue won and greatly increased his reputation as a Chinese magician, even though he was a white guy. Two weeks later, he ran an ad, quote, he said I couldn't, but I did. The original Chung Ling Sue, who has been mystifying British audiences for the past five years, was challenged by Ching Ling Fu from the Empire Theater. Chung Ling Su most successfully accomplished this challenger's tricks. The challenger and his money failed to put in an appearance and have not since been heard of. I love how... Sorry. Chung Ling Su, the original Chinese Chinese conjurer at the London Hippodrome. Uh, At the Hippodrome. Yeah. Uh, I remember that from Tommy Cooper. Uh, Okay, but it's still... It's like... 
He said I couldn't do 50% of his tricks, and I did. I'm half as good legally now. Yeah, but he also, you know, if you issue a challenge, you gotta fucking... Yeah, you gotta man up. Um, so, to the public, it seemed as if Fu, the actual Chinese guy, was the imitator Chinese guy. Good Lord. And his name, Chingling Fu, had been picked to capitalize on the successful... Uh. Chung Ling Su. Oh, my God. Fu played for one month in London, and then that was it. And then he went home to China and never returned to England. Oh, God. So now Will is seeing... Will won. Will's like the Chinese guy now. He's like the Chinese magician. Yeah, well, Will came... I mean, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it would be awful for Will to have to go back to his homeland. Scotland. (laughs) Will and Dot were now known to many as Mr. and Mrs. Chung Ling Su. Go to who? Dot was devoted to Will. After 20 years together, they made it official. In March 1906, Will and Dot were married. Will claimed to be divorced, but he was not. He was still married to Bessie. What name did he marry under? Chingling. Shut up. No, I don't know. But Will was a serial cheater and had many affairs. He kept touring as Chung Ling Su. While on tour in 1907, he had an affair with Louise Mary Blatchford, who her friends uh, called Lou. She was 21. He was 44. Lou got pregnant. Dot was not happy because she was married to the father. Yeah. And she worried about uh, their marriage and their joint career. Will bought a mansion in London for Lou. The house was so big it had two addresses. And on February 3rd, 1908, Lou gave birth to a son, Ellsworth James. Will and Dot still went by Mr. Sue and Mrs. Sue, but their arrangement changed. Now Will paid Dot a weekly salary for her work. She moved in with Frank and his wife, and Will and Lou went by Mr. and Mrs. Robinson. So he's going by... <laughs> he's going... He, what? He's living a double life. He is now... I think he has more. Now Will is married to Lou, but and he, Sue is married to Mrs. Sue. What if someone sues someone? <laughs> after um, after the affair came out, Will's relationship with Houdini was very hurt. Houdini Change your name to Ludini. Houdini and Bess missed Dot a lot. Will dropped uh, some of the Chinese stuff. He started using less makeup and wearing Western clothes more. Hey, you know, I think I'm going to reduce the grease. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Houdini started putting out a magazine for magicians called The Conjurer's Monthly. How many fucking magicians are there? Like, how are you making this much money off of fucking monthly magician magazines? What is going on? Conjurer's Monthly. In it, Houdini attacked his rivals, praised his own shows, and rewrote history to favor his view of magic. Okay. I'm not sure what's happening. Sure. He also took jabs at Will's appearance. Quote, Chung Ling Robinson, how are your teeth? <laughs> Whoa! No, Houdini. No, you didn't. And let us know if that newly discovered ter- tooth grower you have is worthy of publication. Oh, whoa. Houdini hinted that Will neglected his family. Quote, if W.E. Robinson reads this paragraph or any of our readers should know of his address, kindly advise him to communicate with Edward W. Robinson. The folks are anxious. So Houdini's fucking with him in his yeah, magazine. Yeah, he's trolling him. 
Houdini fell out ever more when Will became a strikebreaker in 1907. Uh, performers struck in a disagreement about matinees. Uh, and Sue, they should be later! And Sue was asked to work, and he quickly responded that he was available if needed. Uh, but Sue made serious cash. One day, another magician noticed Will's pockets bulging with cash, and he urged him to take it out and count it, and he did, and it totaled more than $1,000. So he's strike-breaking and just fucking rolling in it. Right. Flying high, in 1909, Sue signed a profitable contract to tour Australia and New Zealand. Neil Carlton, a family friend, moved into the house with Lou and her child to help while Will was gone. Okay. On the tour were Will, Dot, Frank, his family, and six staff members, and 75 tons of luggage. You're not... Are you being serious? Yes. 75 tons? He has so many tricks now that he has... Dave, 75 tons? Yeah. Well, it's all fucking metal, right? It's all... How much metal comes out of a rabbit? A lot. Lots. Um... Wow. Uh, the, the Australian tour was an amazing success. He made money, earned rave reviews, and was treated as a star. Dot was happy, too. She had her husband to herself in Australia. Near the end of the tour, Will got a note from Lou. She was pregnant with a second child. Okay. Will was not pleased. According to the math, Will left in January, and the baby was born in December. So it was very hard for Will to get Lou pregnant when he was in Australia. Maybe she just held it. <laughs> be nice. Will decided to hurry back to England. Neil Carlton continued to live with the family. On March 10th, 1911, Lou had another baby girl, Mary. With Will gone so much, Neil Carlton basically served as the father figure in the house, and the little boys even called him Papa. Okay. So this fucking... Everything's normal. This is the craziest, like, this is batshit insane. You think? Uh, Will would uh, return home on weekends if he was nearby, but he spent <laughs> if more. He was nearby. But he spent more and more time in the workshop in the garden and less time with his family because they're not his family. Yeah. Then on November 16th, 1912, Neil Carlton died of cancer at 58 years old. The Chung Ling Sioux Company was a big show and employed up to 25 people now. Lou was at home with the children. Will spent 16 weeks a year in London. And then World War II hit. He, uh, Will needed strong, hardworking young men to work on a show, but many had enlisted. In October 1914, German Bob started falling down on London and blackouts hurt the theater business. Will's contact contracts were based, he got a percentage of the box office so okay. he was fucked so he got a cut so he tries to go on a world tour but he had to cancel that became because he came down with acute dysentery in india that is cute when you got a cough of vacation for diarrhea that's serious diarrhea dysentery yeah that's like double diarrhea it's not good i think that's what they call it it's I the official the definition double good. d oh look there it is double diarrhea with the high turnover of wartime assistants will stopped putting in time to train them not knowing how long they'd last now I know. That doesn't sound good, does it? It's a pretty calloused view. <laughs> now, if there was a problem with the trick during a show, Will would just turn his back to the audience and reset it himself. <laughs> okay. Take two. Will always loaded the guns for the bullet trick alone in his dressing room. Oh, boy. On March 23rd, 1918, it was the closing show in London, and near the end of his act... So he's just... Oh, boy. 
Two 17-year-old assistants, Dan Crowley and Jack Grossman, picked up the prepared rifles and came onto the stage. It was time to perform the escape from the boxer's catch-a-bullet trick. They went through the usual rigmarole with the audience members and the bullets and the scratching it, and then they, the audience members put the bullets into the rifles. The two men paced 14 strides from Sue, raised the rifles, and shot. The plate fell from Sue's hands and shattered. He took several steps and slumped backward and said, Oh, my God, something's happened. Lower the curtain. Oh, God. (laughs) A pro. Such a A pro. pro. Curtain's down. I've been killed. Curtain. (laughs) That's you want your last words to be. I think God's lowering the curtain on me. The curtain came down. A silent bioscope newsreel began flickering. <laughs> There's got to be one guy in there who's like, well, I loved it. What a great ending. That closer. <laughs> Will told Dot to get a doctor quick. Three doctors came. Will was semi-conscious by that time. The bullet fractured the fifth rib. An exit wound was through the 11th rib, which protruded about four inches to the right of above the spine. Will was taken to a hospital and died at 4.55 a.m. Will Robinson, white guy, also known as Chung Ling Su, the marvelous Chinese conjurer, was dead at 56. Even his eulogy title's long. The newspapers printed sensational stories full of speculation. If it was an accident or a murder, was Dot, the betrayed wife, rather too friendly with Frank? Houdini jumped into the discussion. He thought Will had used fake bullets as part of the trick, meaning someone could have submitted a real bullet, which would have been murder. He wrote to Keller that there was, quote, something peculiar about the whole affair. Newspapers then reported that while he, quote, was generally accepted as a genuine Chinaman, Sue... Quite a when do you think we st- they stopped using Chinaman? I'd love to know the year they were like, let's not use Chinaman anymore. Long. I'm guessing in the 60s? I think that's even being generous. Oh, fuck. Sue was, uh, in fact, from Edinburgh or Aberdeen or Bolton or Liverpool or Manchester. Some British the- theatrical journals reported his place of birth as Philadelphia, which was close. The American the- theatrical journal Variety knew Will's real name, and the fact that his act was copied from Ching Ling Fu. So they talked to people he knew in New York who spilled right. it. The public was shocked to learn that he was not Chinese. Oh, my God. <laughs> what is the public? The public's the worst. When is the public good? Uh, I shouldn't say that. But still, it's always when it comes the public. So there's these old Batman uh, shows. The first Batman show, I think, is from the 50s. Or it might be earlier than that. It might be from the 40s. The, not Adam West. N- no, it's before Adam West. Okay. And there's a uh, there's a Chinese villain who's played by a white guy, and they, they just use tape, and they put it over his eyelids. And I wonder if he did something like that. But either way, the fact that you don't know a guy is Chinese, but maybe they just... I mean, like I said, they didn't see Chinese people. There are well, Chinese people all over the place. Like, Here's the other thing. Asian Amer- Asian roles are going to white people in movies mm-hmm. still. Yeah. It's still astounding. Co- Every year, there's yeah. three parts that go to a white person, like uh, whatever her name is, Emma Stone. Yeah, Emma Stone. Playing uh, a Hawaiian. Uh, <laughs> and then there's some other one recently where it's just like, and it's not, it really is just, I mean, uh, 
for so, I, I think that we're we're so much more aware in culture now of like you know if like ra- I we're so much less aware of like racism towards uh, Asian people or Indian oh, people. Yeah, like, like on the Oscars where they had the math joke. Yeah, you're allowed. You're allowed to like still poke the bear there. We're at least aware of the racism to some extent that exists with like mm. you know black. I mean, at least more aware. <laughs> yeah, like we're not doing a shitload. We're not doing nearly enough to address it. But there's still, I think, comedically and like in entertainment, you're still allowed to like yeah. take advantage of uh, Asian culture and appropriate it yeah. in a way that feels guiltless and i and people don't seem to give a shit no they don't i love um, cameron crow oh i thought we were done i apologize no. um so uh scott in the yard came in to examine the rifles he had modified the gun so the barrel was blocked and the bullet wouldn't come out so basically they were putting the bullet in the barrel but there's no way the bullet could come out because he but had- what, what the deal was that the the bullets never came. I mean, they. Well, so, so what? What is fired is a blank. Right. Okay. And the bullets are trapped in the gun. Basically, that's how he had it set up. Gotcha. Okay. But he had done it so many times that the blanks were going off and and weakening the hole between the barrels. So. Or the whatever blanks, it was, wherever the, the bullet were... went, so the blanks were actually causing Burning, a problem right. over time. He never replaced the guns. He wouldn't take them to a gun guy because he didn't want him to give away his secret. Well, Eventually, a bullet shifted over. I think that gave away the secret. And came out, and uh, then he was super dead. <laughs> a, ju- a jury ruled on an accident officially, quote, death by misadventure. <laughs> That's how I wanted to die. Will was buried in the family grave next to Neil Carlton's coffin. <laughs> oh, my God. Put me next to the guy who banged my wife. Come on! He left one third of his life. Insur- I'm gonna glare at him the whole time. <laughs> he left one third of his life insurance to Dot. Two thirds and the rest of his estate went to Lou and the children. Dot and Lou both tried to stage rival shows, but neither was successful. Good lord! The assistants. <laughs> Houdini saw an opportunity to make headlines. He announced that he'd be performing the bullet catching trick at a fundraiser. Keller wrote to Houdini pleading, quote, don't try the damn bullet catching trick, no matter how sure you may feel of its success. There is always the biggest kind of risk that some dog will job you. Please, Harry, listen to your old friend Keller, who loves you as his own son, and don't do it. Houdini canceled his plans to perform the bullet catching trick. The real Chinese magician, Ching Ling Fu, died in China in 1922. That same year, Harry Keller died at his home in Los Angeles. In Canada... Houdini bragged about his ability to tighten his stomach muscles and withstand punches, and an enthusiastic fan offered a flurry of blows that ruptured Houdini's appendix, and he died on Halloween 1926. Dot died in November 13, 1934, of cancer. She was buried in the Robinson family plot just down the path. In a cupboard. From Alexander Herman. Her grave is unmarked. So there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen confirmed deaths starting in the fifteen hundreds of people dying from the bullet trick. Oh wait, wow. fourteen, fifteen, fifteen. Oh Jesus. So it's actually an actually really dangerous trick. It's the leading cause of death and magician. <laughs> Just like like you get like you get I get like 
I totally get that a guy, a white guy could put on makeup in a movie and look Chinese. But the fact that these people are sitting in a theater and there's a guy on fucking stage right in front of them and they're all acting like he's Chinese because he put grease paint on his face is the craziest fucking thing I've ever heard. Like, what in the fuck yeah. is happening? No, there's, there is, you know... Uh, surely in in a hundred years we will we are doing something that we are overtly racist or sexist or you know some ist about that we don't fully recognize now i I mean we know that to some extent we just don't know what it is but yeah it's crazy i mean it's crazy you know like the idea that you go to a like you see it seeing it in your face no, it's crazy. And being like, well, no questions here, obviously. <laughs> Chinese human, yeah, for sure. Well, look how shiny he is. I mean, he's obviously Chinese. Yeah. I mean, how? I don't know. I don't yeah, get it. I don't know. I guess, are we, yeah, we are just, we are just laughing at this stuff. We're insane. It's just too hard not to. It's just fucking crazy. The most famous Chinese magician was a white guy, and he yeah. bested the actual Chinese guy, who then went back to China and was like, "Fuck this place! Yeah, it's horseshit." Yeah, uh, yeah, and then he's like, "I mean, yeah, it's," and then it's like also like, "I'm the victim. He's taking work out of my life." <sighs> yeah, I think that is the key, though. I think that if you, it's just that if you pretend that you got screwed over a lot. Yeah. Then people will give you a little. It's like when you, you know, when you go like when you're waiting for a flight to board, and someone gets up there for the seat in group one, and just causes a scene. They just let them on the plane because they're annoying as shit. Yeah. You know. Same thing with with thinking you're Chinese. Be well. I'm just saying when it comes to racism, you know, it feels like we have no problem being bold and trying to cut in line. <laughs> uh, we sign magicians. Thank you. That was a long one. Was it? Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow September 13th, London September 15th, Dublin September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham September 20th, Bristol September 22nd, and Cardiff September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, This is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help. 
with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it. But either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. 